First Peter chapter 4 today. First Peter chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and read this passage for us as we get started. So First Peter 4, beginning in verse 7. This is what it says. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound thinking and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks as one speaking the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and might forever and ever. Amen. When I was a younger man, I used to uh, work at a restaurant. And um, I went from dish dog, I went to cook, uh, line helper, cook side, to main cook, to a manager. It was a good life. Well, then at the restaurant, we, we, we got in a new part of a new part of an industry, new part of business. We started catering. And catering was the best. Because catering, we do a really huge order for a catering order, maybe for a wedding, open house. We'd make chicken and salad and breadsticks. And everyone argued. Everyone wanted to be the caterer. So we go with the food to the, the work site. We got dressed a little nice. We unload the food. We help put the food out on the, on the chafing tables. We light the crazy purple jello fire under, you know what I'm saying? We, that was your job. And when you're there at the catering place, usually after you do all the work, there's usually a sweet tip afterwards. Like you're there, and you're Johnny on the money, Johnny on the spot. Man, I have gotten like $50 tips for a two-hour job. So every, when this is back in 1994, so I was like, 50 bucks, you know, it was like, Life-changing kind of money. So, everyone wanted to be the catering guy. But here's the thing. If you got, if they said, hey, we got two open houses this weekend. Ernesto, you got one. I knew what that meant. That meant I got to dress nice. I got to do my hair, comb it. It's not just like, I have to. I had to wear not open-toe shoes. had to wear closed-toe shoes. Because the fact of the matter was, when I went out on that catering job, I represented all those carryouts. I was the ambassador for our restaurant. If I was, like, if I was, did a poor job, if I was thinking, you know, picking my nose, whatever, if I was doing any of those things, I would negatively represent the restaurant. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't there at, as Ernesto. I was there, I was wearing an all those carry out t-shirt, yo. You know, I represented the restaurant to all these potential customers. And our hope was, they liked the food so much. They liked the service so much. They'd go, man, where are you located? I want to come and order these breadsticks again. If I did a good job, we might have future little customers right there at that open house. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing. In that moment, at that open house, I represented someone else, and I had rules on how I must act to represent all those well. Well, here... Peter's saying, listen, you represent Jesus while you're here on earth. You are ambassadors of your God, Jesus Christ. 
the way he says, he says the phrase, the end of all things is at hand. When he says that, when Peter says the end of all things is at hand, what he means is when Christ was born, he changed the world. He changed everything. And every one of us who lives, who believes in Jesus, who waits for him to return and come back, we have all been told while we wait, we must behave a certain way. He's given, he gives us the rules for how to behave at the open house. You understand? So here are the rules that Peter says, here are the rules for us as we live in this world, but we are, I don't represent just myself, I represent the Lord. So here we go. Here I call this sermon, End Time Ethics. Here's the how to behave from Peter if you say you're a Christian. So here we go. Number one, how to behave. Be of sound thinking and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, because we're waiting for Jesus, be of sound thinking and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. He says, sound thinking, keep your head right. Sober spirit, keep your heart right. Keep your head right, keep your heart right. Why? For the purpose of prayer. This is what Peter's saying to us. Peter's saying essentially, so we represent Jesus. But being a Christian is a weird thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, okay. When Thomas heard that Christ rose again, Thomas didn't believe. You heard the story? They call him Doubting Thomas. They say, Thomas, Jesus is alive. He's like, man, I don't know about that. I saw him die. Like, I, need the guy, like, I loved him too, guys, but he's dead. Thomas said, I will not believe unless I touch the holes in his hand and the spear hole in his side. That's what he said. That's what he said. Now, Christ comes to Thomas. He said, Thomas, I'm here, dude. Touch my hands. Touch my side. And Thomas falls down and says, my Lord and my God. He believes. And Jesus says, blessed are you who believes, but more blessed are they who do not see and believe. And that's us. I haven't seen them. You, we, we, we have faith. Faith is hard because faith, we have faith that we've never seen. We are, like, like I, oh man, I have, I have seen him answer prayer. I have felt him in the dark night comfort my dying heart. The Lord is real. But listen, I can't see him, man. It's hard sometimes. And for those, we, we are physical creatures who believe in a spiritual God. And the way, the, the, the main way we interact with our invisible God is through prayer. It is how the physical meets the spiritual, how the finite meets the infinite. Prayer is our access to the God we claim to believe in. My wife and I, we um, lived in India for a few years. And when we lived in India, what happened is people would support us financially for our, our ministry in India. So people would give money to our church, okay? They'd put the church to take that money, direct deposit into our bank account. But I lived in India, so guess what? There's no Chase Bank in India. There's no Huntington Bank in India. So what I did is I had an ATM card. That ATM card, I'd go to the ATM machine, put the money in, 
and that ATM card allowed me to access all that resource back home in America. The ATM card was my lifeline to all my resources. Now, I said this last year, I'm going to do this service too. Who in this room, what fella in this room has the fattest, grossest wallet in their pocket right now? Who's got a big old fat wallet here? Anybody got good? What do you, let's see what's your wallet, Dave. How big is this wallet? Pull, I, I bet you it's a massive wallet, dude. I got to see this. That's a big wallet, bro. That is, I don't think I'm going to beat that wallet, Dave. So, now, <laughs> I have a really small wallet. I used to roll like you, Dave. It just gets too crazy, dude. I can't, but... When you have a wall, a Dave-style wallet, sorry, Dave. <laughs> when you got a crazy wallet full of receipts and cards and business cards and like post-it notes, you know what happens in that crazy chaos of a wallet? Our credit cards get tore up in there. They, get, they rub off, the, the stripe stops working. I used to hate going to the store and you run it, you run it again, it's gonna work, man. It, it just, the, the, the card gets damaged being in that crazy wall all the time. When I was in India, that ATM card, I took care of it. That ATM card, that was my lifeline to everything in America. I protected it. I didn't put it in my wallet to get rubbed off on. I kept it somewhere safe and hidden, locked up, you know what I'm saying? Because that, that card was my lifeline. If it got hurt, I was in real trouble. So Peter says, listen, the lifeline you have of prayer, you've got to protect that lifeline. Keep your head right, keep your heart right, because you don't want to mess up that connection you have talking to God. And apparently, you can mess up that connection. Earlier, Peter says to husbands, ooh, he says to husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers will not be hindered, which assumes your prayers can be hindered. I never liked that passage. I've never liked that. Because in my mind, I always thought, man, Jesus on the cross, when Christ died, he said, it is finished. Jesus literally, he built the highway between me and him. Jesus made it. It is finished. Jesus thinking, he went out there, he paved the road, put the guardrails up, put flowers on both sides, painted the middle line. Jesus made the road between him and I. But apparently, apparently we can forget how to get there. We can pile up debris and grossness at the, at the, at the on-ramp to that road and hinder our ability to talk to our Father. And a lot of us have felt this before. I've had people, when their lives fall down, come to me like, Pastor, I'm hurting, I know I need God, I just don't know how to get back. They've, they've left that road for so long, they can't remember how to interact with God, how to engage God, how to, they forgot their stinking pin number for the ATM card, you know what I'm saying? Apparently our prayers can be hindered. So Peter says, listen, keep your mind right, keep your heart right, to keep that avenue open for you and God to talk. Um... Our prayers can be hindered. Jesus even said himself, Jesus said, if you go to the temple to make an offering, 
And while there, remember that you are in a fight with somebody, you leave the offering, go to the person you're fighting, make peace, and then come back and get right with the Lord. Apparently, things in life can pile up and can get between us and God. And God says, you better do all you can to keep that row between you and the Lord open. Exiles, us as exiles, exiles must be prepped for prayer. We must keep that road open so when we need him, we know how to get to him. Keep your head right, your heart right. Um, yeah. He goes on. The next thing he says to do, verse 8, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, he, when he says keep fervent in your love for one another, he's talking about love amongst each other. He says, listen, church, look at Christians. He's a Christians, you gotta be friends, you gotta love each other. Being part of a local church means we gotta care about one another. Being part of a local church means we love each other in God's house. Being part of a church is a dangerous gamble. You know why? Because this place is full of people, and people can burn you down. They can let you down. They can betray you. They can gossip about you. They can, they can fail you. As a pastor, I fail people on a weekly basis. I've had the same phone number for 12 years. Hundreds of people have this phone number. Hundreds. I get texts at 5 in the morning and at 1 in the morning. It's awesome. <laughs> Some, if I get a text at a random time, I'll see it and go, oh, man, they texted me. And I'll be like, Lord, take care of them. I'll call them back in a minute. Then the day goes on. You know what happens? More texts come in and push that text down, and I forget. And then I see the person, and I remember, you texted me. Ah, I, I feel generally bad. I just forgot. I fail people all the time. Being part of a church means, listen, people in this room think differently than you do. Some of you are diehard Republicans, and some of you are diehard Democrats, and some of you are anarchists and want to burn this whole thing down. There's a lot of different people in this room. A lot of different people in this room. There are people in this room who believe Martians with the pyramids, okay? That's, and that's okay. There's, there, there, I, I listen, you're like, who is it? I won't tell you. Um, it's me. No, I'm just kidding. It's not me. Um, but, <laughs> Ricky, you're like, oh, they did, dude. The stones are too big. <laughs> but uh, my point is, we're all very different. But God said, Jesus said to his followers, they will know you're my disciples in how you love one another. Not your love for everyone, how you treat each other. How you treat one another tells the world it's real. If we fight amongst ourselves, if we backbite and are jerks to one another, why would anyone want to be part of this family? We are called to, take, to love one another fervently. This can happen. Yesterday, yesterday so my gift to myself for graduating college was I wanted to play board games for a whole day. 
I love board games. I'm a huge nerd. So yesterday in the church basement, I played board games for 10 hours. I'm serious, dude. All kinds of, I mean, card games and dice games. And so a bunch of some of my, some of my friends that I have showed up all day. Because I'm coming in, it was an open house of board games. People would come in, show up. We had snacks, you know, we had pita and hummus. I don't know, I thought it was good. Um, so people come in and we just play games. Everyone was just laughing, talking. And everyone that came for the most part, we're all just brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, laughing, hanging out. It's a beautiful thing, just, just, just in the house of God, loving one another. Every day for church, every Sunday, we have a 9.30 service and 11.30 service. Most every week, I had to tell 9.30 to leave, because they stay here talking the entire hour between services. I'm like, guys, leave. There's people coming for the next service. But that's awesome. People are talking and laughing. Families love one another. Dude, this last week, in the front row, last service, our friend Greg Nave, he was at home, and Mr. Greg felt that the thing you fear the most, right? He felt pain in his left shoulder, right? That, y'all know what that means, right? That's real bad. Greg, like me, is not the healthiest man in the world. Uh, and so he felt it and realized something was wrong. So he goes to the hospital. And they, this week they did the heart catheter, uh, heart cath, 100% blockage in one, 80% in the other. They did the stints right then. They did the stints right then. That was on Wednesday. He was at church this morning. When he went to the hospital Wednesday, a lot of us were praying Asking God, take care of our friend. We were carrying. He wasn't in there alone. We loved. We cared. We have people in this community right now who are in like, um, sometimes you get hurt. You go to like a, a, a rehabilitation center where you learn to walk again or learn to use your hands again. We have a couple of people in our church that are at those, those centers. What's amazing is I'll go visit someone to see how you're doing. Because they're long-term care. It's a, hard, it's a tough thing to be in a hospital long-term. It's a very lonely thing, right? Being in the hospital long term, it's awful. I'll go there and they're like, oh, you just missed this lady from church who came to see me. And I'll hear that four or five ladies from church are visiting them every single week. No one told them to. They love this person and they just showed up. Being part of church means you're known, you're loved, someone gives a rip. We got to love one another. We got to love one another. We can't just love each other and build a clique and talk to no one else. He says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. That means hospitality is love towards strangers. You got to love strangers without grumbling. If someone comes to this church and we're all such good friends, we're a big clique, and someone comes and feels like no one cares that I'm here, that's not good. I'm going to tell a story. Brother Dave told me he came for a few weeks to church here, and no one talked to him for a few weeks. The pastor said hello. No one else did. That feels weird. You come, you sit, and you're like, yeah, da, 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 and no one cares that you're there. And he always tells a story, like, man, he always tells this one, he's like, you're the first person to talk to when I first came. We shouldn't be so inside focused. We don't see the outsider who comes into our house. We have to be hospitable. This building being on the east side, almost every week someone stops by and walks in the front door and just goes, someone, maybe someone's homeless, maybe someone's living in an abandoned house here in the neighborhood. They're just coming, they'll come in, they'll go, hey man, can I have some water? Sure, do need some water. 
Come in. Come to your bathroom, dude. And it's always like, you can use the bathroom. I mean, just, well, if Bill's not here, I've got to clean it afterwards. So, um, but we let people, people just come in and just use the building and listen. We want to be good neighbors, and we open the building for the, the, neighbor, for the community. We have to be willing to love our neighborhood. That's why we're doing BBS. It's why we're doing the pantry on Saturday. We want to love the stranger without grumbling. I was reading um, this emperor. It, was emperor. it was Emperor Julian of Rome. Emperor Julian of Rome was mad that the Christian church was growing so fast, and he wrote a priest of his religion and said, there are no Jews who are hungry. Like, These Christians take care of their own poor and then take care of our poor. He was furious. I'm like, yeah! We should be known by that. We should be known not by what we're angry about, but how much we love the people who live near us. We got to love the inside and we got to love the outside. Love shows we belong to Jesus. So Peter says, representing Christ in this world, living as an exile, you got to be prepped for prayer. Prayer is your lifeline to the Father. He says you got to love each other. You got to love in the house and outside the house. You got to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You got to love your coworkers, your neighbors in your street. Even the ones that are hard to love, you got to love them. <laughs> it's okay. It is hard. It ain't easy. There are people that are hard to love. Listen, somebody asked me this week. Somebody asked me, do you think Jesus knew Judas was going to knife him? I'm like, yeah, he did. Jesus knew that Judas Iscariot was going to knife him, and Jesus loved him anyway. Jesus loved that man knowing this man is going to betray me with a kiss, and he loved him to the end. Lastly, it says this. As each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Exiles are prepped for prayer. Exiles love those inside and outside the house. And lastly, exiles steward their gifts towards service. A couple assumptions here. One, as each one has received a gift, every one of us here has been given a gift by God. I don't care how ungifted you may feel. God has he has given you something to do. He has given you something that you're good at. Maybe a passion. Maybe he's given you a passion, a talent, a gifting. God has given you something that you have. And that gift he gave to you, he did not give to you to make you famous or to make a lot of money. He gave you your gift to serve others. He gave you your talents to help others. she in the room? I'm going to embarrass her. She's not in the room. I'm going to get her. Okay. Oh, she is in the room. I'm going to get her right away. Um, so one of our, our workers is uh, out of town this weekend. So she asked uh, Miss Deb to be in charge of host, like the door greeting. So, so me and my wife were talking because you're watching Miss Deb just be host extraordinaire because Miss Deb loves people. And everyone who stood up at church today that came to this door, she just welcomed them and loved them and greeted them and gave them a hard time. It was beautiful to watch. But a, a hard time in love is what I mean. Um, if God, 
Whatever God gave you, you can use that gift to serve others. In the first service, we have many people that are back there uh, discipling children and caring for infants. I met a guy last service who he loves, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a personal trainer, God bless him, um, but he's a personal trainer, and uh, he really is, he has a passion for getting youth in athletics, and he's going to help BBS game stuff. That, that's, he's just that gift to serve kids in the neighborhood. Whatever gift God gave you, however, whatever it might be, you can use it to help and serve others. Because here's the deal. You are a steward of that gift. He gave you that gift not for you, but for others. And if you take that gift and you hide it away, everyone is poor for it. Everyone is poor for it. So, I will say this. Not all of our gifts are as public as others. Um, in my, we do a group in my house every week, you know, we do a small group at our home. And I'm kind of the teacher, welcome to my house guy. You come in, hey, welcome to the house. You know, I'm, I'm the, the host, I guess you'd call it. And people sometimes will tell me, man, your house your feels so warm and welcoming. And I'm glad that's true, but here's the deal. My wife's giftedness is hospitality. It's a very quiet um, behind-the-scenes kind of gift. But she is always lovingly, prayerfully, without grumbling. Oh, thank the Lord. Um, for real, though, like, I'm, I'm glad. Like, she is making our home this safe, welcoming space for people. Now, that gift may not be exalted and, and bragged about, but that gift blesses a lot of people that walk through our doors. And just so you know, this summer we will be doing our patented, famous dinner at Nesto's. So we'll have sign-ups for a few weeks, barbecues in my backyard if you ever want to come and uh, my dog jump on you and uh, eat my barbecue. We're doing that this summer all the time. So, um, but the reason we can do that is because my wife has a good hospitality and she always makes sure that our house is this place with plenty of seats, Plenty of warmth, plenty of welcoming. People stay late as they want to stay. It's awesome. It's awesome. Whatever gift you've been given, use it for the Lord. You don't have to be like someone else. Whatever gift you've been given, you can use for God's glory. So, when I was a kid, I'd go to those open houses and I had to behave a certain way, represent all those well. If you're a Christian out in the world, you must represent Jesus well. How do you do that? You got to be prayed up. Apart from him, you do nothing. If you're going to love people, loving people is pouring yourself out for them. Listen, you know what happens if you love somebody and you pour yourself out from them? Your cup is empty. You need prayer to refill the cup. I love people, then I rest in Jesus. You know what Jesus does? He fills me back up. If I try to love people and not be with Jesus, I'm going to dry out real fast. It's like trying to like clean uh, the, your, your, your um, man, I, I don't, I'm real bad with kitchens. The counter, like trying to clean the counter. I go to the kitchen sometimes, I swear. It's like trying to clean your counter with a dry sponge. It's like, this won't work. Ah! You got to get soaked up with God's goodness. You, prayer is our lifeline. So be prayed up. That way you can love people, both in this house and outside. 
And whatever gift God gave you, use the gift to serve others. Commit. Be inconvenient for someone else. I know it's so awesome to spend our lives on our own comfort. I want to do it too. Inconvenience your life for someone else. It may, may vary. There's this movie I watched years ago. We'll end by saying this. It's called About Schmidt. Don't watch it. Really, it's a dramedy. It's boring. It's really depressing. But in the movie, it's an older man whose wife has just passed, and he realizes his life has been wasted. And the whole movie's him going just like, he just, his whole life, looks at his life, he's like, what have I done? And the whole li- the story is told because he always writes letters to his World Vision kid, his compassion child. He writes his comp- compassion kid in, like, Africa letters saying, Dear Ndugu, and he writes a letter to the guy. And the whole movie, you see him write these letters. And he goes home at the end of the movie. He feels like his life is a tremendous failure. Nothing matters. And in the mail is a letter from that kid in Africa, the, letter, the guy he sends $32 a month to, to Compassion International. And he opens the letter, and there's a little picture drawn by this kid, and the kid just says, thank you for sending money for me to have food and school. And the movie ends with this old man just crying because something he did finally made a difference when he served somebody else. Don't waste your life making yourself happy because it's not going to work. Use the strength God gave you, the gifts God gave you to serve others. And guess what you'll find? True satisfaction and joy. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, let us be a people of prayer, knowing that without you we can do nothing. Let us be people known by our love. Let us as Flint City Church, let us love one another in this room and love those who live around us. And Lord, let us be a people willing to be inconvenienced to serve one another and to serve our city. Thank you, Jesus, for your truth that is true. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.